Hello and welcome to ITIC Insight, the podcast which shares loss prevention advice from ITIC, the world's leading provider of professional indemnity insurance for transport professionals everywhere. Hi everyone and thank you very much for listening to this ITIC podcast. My name's Tom Irving, I'm the General Manager at ITIC and today I'm joined by my colleague Matthew Offers. Matthew is also a director at ITIC and is our account executive for the Middle East. Hi, Matt. Hi, Tom. Hi, everybody. So today we're going to be talking about the topic of joint and several liability, or perhaps some people might know it as statutory liability. So this is a, an issue that members of ITIC of different types of members sort of face in different parts of the world. So Matt and I are going to have a chat and sort of discuss what this particular problem is, what types of claims different members may face and what members can do to protect themselves from these types of exposures. So just to just to start off, what do we mean by joint and several liability or statutory liability? So it's really a, an exposure faced by a company alongside, perhaps in the case of a ship agent, their principal. So this may be where there are local laws, regulations, which say that a particular type of claim is one for which, for example, a ship agent is responsible as well as their principal. So it's not a case of a member of ours having made a mistake, having been negligent or done something wrong. It's simply there is a piece of legislation which says that they have a, a liability alongside perhaps their principal for a particular type of claim. And we'll we'll talk about those in a bit more detail. So Matt, I wonder if maybe we can start. You're the sort of expert on on all things related to the Middle East at ITIC. So what types of companies face these exposures and where in the Middle East is is this a particular issue, would you say? Principally, it's ship agents. It's just the general idea that the agent is being held responsible by, in the most part, the port authority seems to be the party who's holding the agent responsible. And the main reason for this seems to be that they... The poor authority doesn't wish to pursue foreign companies. It's far easier to pursue somebody in their own jurisdiction who needs to operate on their facilities. And to some extent, they hold them slightly to ransom in that regard. And it makes it very difficult for the ship agent to to negotiate or to discuss these matters because commercially, they're in a very difficult position. So as a rule, it's a ship agent. We normally see this in the Middle East. The jurisdictions apply across the Middle East, so UAE, Qatar. And the one that always stands out as being a particular problem is Q8. That one has its own particular issues because the ship agent is also liable for cargo damage and claims by the consignee and their insurers, irrespective of their involvement, almost in anything to do with it, really. All they have to do is be the agent. And that makes it very difficult. And the particular issue there happens to be steel cargoes, and we, they, they seem to be get held liable very often on those. So that makes it very difficult. Yeah, and I think also you know, the cargo damage type of claim is one that you know crops up again also in other, other jurisdictions as well. So certainly I, I remember looking after... Uh, claims in Spain where for a number of years Spanish ship agents were liable for cargo damage and the important point here is that you know these, these are not claims that arise from mistakes made by members there's there's no you know clearly if, if a ship agent makes an error in terms of the, the handling of some cargo or 
relating to perhaps a reefer cargo is making mistakes on bills of lading, that's that's a sort of more classic claim that ship agents anywhere would face. So what we're talking about here is where an agent has done nothing wrong at all, but there is some cargo damage in there, sort of looked to as the as the party to share some or, or face the, the liability. So we mentioned sort of Kuwait and cargo damage. Are there any other specific exposures in the, in the Middle East that you can sort of draw on? Yeah, we, we've got several ongoing claims. And most of these stem from financial difficulties of principles, causing issues with port dues, incidents in the port, an inability to put up appropriate guarantees, even pay port dues, just full stop. All of this leads to a dispute with the port. The port then becomes a, has a particular issue. And so for, as, as an example for those, we've got ones where you've got vessel abandonment, or at least not official abandonment, but basically the owner stops negotiating or entering into any dialogue and simply disappears. And you're left with the ship. Port dues continue to accrue. And at that point, you're in a very difficult position as a ship agent because you're not able to turn to anybody to get assistance. Very often, we'll probably touch upon this as well, but P&I clubs would be the natural thing to turn to. But many of these ships aren't with international group clubs. And that means getting any guarantees or letters for the port becomes very difficult. So almost impossible. And the other ones we have are historically, we've had one of the largest claims I think we've had in the Middle East was a result of um, a vessel sinking. And again, this resulted from a P&I club not really responding as, as perhaps you'd anticipate. And the port authority requested full coverage for the salvage operations, delays in the port, all the various other costs that uh, went around that particular claim. And I think in the end, the total claim was around a million dollars. And we had to help the agent there because otherwise the agent was going to be on for all of that, irrespective of their involvement in the sinking. And it was a single, single ship, very low value, very poor condition as it turned out all of which meant that there was very little hope of actually getting any great assistance, either from any salvage value and or the P&I club. We did get some assistance from the P&I club in the end, but that took quite some years to do in the end. So um, these things can be quite difficult. Yeah, I think you touched on something there, Matt, which is, which is important as well, is that often these situations arise where the ship is in a pretty pretty poor state. It's probably the only asset of, of the owners. They'll be based in some far-flung jurisdiction. They won't respond when something goes wrong. They'll, they'll walk away. And I think the other the other point as well is that, you know, we've, we've got a particular case at the moment where the Port Authority is is causing real disruptions to the agent's other business as well. So, you know, that, that causes issues for the agent to bring other vessels into the port or, or conduct their other sort of normal business. So it can be, yeah, it can be pretty pretty disruptive when, you know, when there is a vessel sitting in the port or as 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 you say, Matt, where there is a, a wreck removal as we had in, in that particular case. So what um, I wonder if you can comment a bit on in terms of what a ship agent might be able to do to protect themselves before a situation like this occurs. What, what are some of the, what's the advice that we would give to members? Well, the, the basic advice, and it applies outside of this particular topic, actually, it applies to all parties, whoever you are, really. And that is due diligence. It's, it's something that we talk about a lot in our presentations, our webinars, on issues surrounding debt collection. It's a constant thing. It is very difficult for people when they're particularly busy and they get that request to become an, the agent for the call to think, okay, right, I can say yes, and we can get it in. We've got pressures in respect of cash flows, targets, etc. But then you've also got to think of about the potential exposure that's there as well. And so we always advise 
to do some due diligence. And this can be done really quite quickly with there's lots of platforms with lots of information. The one that we use has all of the vessel details, the ownership, issues about disputes, P&I clubs, etc. And it's very thorough in the information that it provides and very up to date. That's the other main thing is that these are up to date things. So our main recommendation would always be do some due diligence, check the P&I club, check the dispute position, check if there's a, a wider fleet and see if you can do anything in regard to the financial position of the actual party who's appointing you. It's important to understand who the party who's appointing you is as well. Is it the charterer? In which case that's a slightly different dynamic to an owner who's actually got the physical asset. So you've got, there's some lots of different things here. So you, you, you have to spend a little bit of time just making sure you fully understand who your principal is and their financial situation. Yeah, but I guess that also goes to the point of getting paid as well, doesn't it? Sort of, you know, the, the, the more reputable your principal is, the the more likely you're, you're going to get, get paid because it's probably unlikely you'll be 100% pre-funded, I, I imagine, as well. well. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, the one good test of um, the financial viability of your principal is the pre-funding situation. You can negotiate with them prior to the call. Are you going to achieve 80% or more? Or are you going to have to settle for a far lower sum? If you're settling for a far lower sum, that should be a bit of a red flag that they've got potential cash flow problems and or maybe wider financial problems. So really, the, the first thing has to be pre-funding and get that as close to the 100%. We, we understand that that's not a viable option, but it should be 80-90% certainly. And that should give you a good idea of who you're dealing with. Yeah, and I think it's often the case that it's the you know it's it's not necessarily going to be the regular principles that that cause these types of issues. Of course, that can always happen. And if it is a you know perhaps as you say a, a cargo damage claim in Kuwait, those are sort of run of the mill. They will happen all the time. You know, irrespective of whether it's a reputable principle or not, and and the way they respond to that will sort of you know guide you to some extent. But it can be the sort of one off, slightly unusual calls which can cause these issues. I think kind of. Yeah, if you if you've got some coastal vessel that's 30 40 years old and it's a singleton, they've only got one vessel in the fleet, that should be something that you should be concerned about because the likelihood it's not going to be with an international group P&I club. So the actual security behind this is going to be pretty pretty slim. And if you start stepping outside of that, it's not that all the other P&I clubs are always bad, but it does mean you are more likely to have some problems with clubs that are outside of that and it does make it more difficult so really once again if you get this you can only check this by doing your due diligence it's the only way of protecting yourself and in the end you really have to do a, a cost benefit analysis what are you going to earn out of this call a thousand dollars seven hundred dollars is it really worthwhile for the potential exposure when you think that the claim we referred to earlier about the sinking, they were probably only earning $1,000 out of this. And it ended up costing around a million dollars to resolve the claim in its entirety. So yeah, you do need to have a look at this and, and consider it when you're reviewing a call. Yeah. And in, in, you know, when something does go wrong, it can also be very difficult often to, to renounce that agency. It can be quite, you know, you can't just sort of st step away and wash your hands of it when, when things start to go wrong, because there, there will need to be a local agent in place and the port's not going to take too kindly to you saying well we'll forget about our our fee here we'll just sort of wash our hands of this you, you chances are you'll be stuck with it yeah, yeah I, I, I completely agree it's one of the first questions that you get asked is the you get the email or the phone call from the agent saying how can we get out of this how can we resolve this can we just send an email saying we're, we're declining the the agency now the, the reality is no you've agreed it 
And the agency is as important for the port as it is for the ship at that moment in time, because at that moment in time, all of the agreements you have with a port come into play. And you at that point, unfortunately, become the most important party because you have some responsibility on the port. You are the local representative. You are local. You are there on the port. You probably got some insurance in place, hopefully, for your sake. And also, therefore, you are the party that they're going to turn to. And you're also meant to be able to assist in discussions with the principal. The other problem we find is that, you know, very often, maybe the communication lines with the principal aren't particularly clear. They've been with the master when the vessel came in. The actual information about who you're dealing with at the the actual office of the of the vessel principals isn't particularly clear. And that's another area that you need to make sure that you've got proper contact details of what's who you should be contacting and who the person is who's actually got authority to deal with these kinds of situations. Yeah, absolutely. So let's say something has has gone wrong and there's a there's an issue with a vessel in a port or there's a you know you've received a claim as an agent for some cargo damage perhaps. What what would our advice then be to members as to what steps they should be taking with, with our support to to protect their position? Despite what we said before about P&I clubs, the most obvious thing is if you have any issue surrounding either port damage, vessel damage, anything around that or delays or anything like that, the first port of call should be the P&I club and it should be to get a club letter of some description in place as a result of the incident. Hopefully they confirm coverage. Hopefully they confirm a letter of indemnity, a club letter, and that gives the port some security. And it can also, most importantly, in respect to port dues, is get the vessel up and away and out of the port and therefore curtail those costs and get things moving. And then once the port, when the vessel is away, you're then in a position to be able to negotiate both with P&I Club and the port but all times you should be saying, we are the agent, we are the agent, reinforcing your agency status with all of these parties to try and make sure that you're one step back from actually dealing with it. The principal should be the party who's involved in this. Whether they are or not becomes more difficult because in the end, what you're trying to do is make sure that they take responsibility for the situation. Their insurers take responsibility for the situation and that you are simply the person who is passing information between both the principal, the P&I club, and the, the port authority. And hopefully at some point you'll step back. But that's what you're trying to do is make sure you push away yourselves away from the situation and put it back to the principal and their P&I clubs. Yeah, absolutely. So involve, involve the P&I club early. And I think what you'll also find is certainly our experience that there are, you know, we've focused a bit here on the Middle East, but places in South America, Argentina, for example, where, you know, these kind of customs fines, there's always a, you know, ship comes in, there's a issue with the cargo, customs fine is levied by the customs authorities against the agent and perhaps the owners as well. Now, if you've got a, you know, it's an international group P&I club, they know that this is run of the mill. They know that they need to provide a, an LOU in favor of the agent. And it all happens pretty smoothly. And that would probably be the case for, you know, something like a cargo damage in Kuwait. If you've got a, a reputable P&I club, they know how it works and, and you shouldn't really have, have too many issues. And I think the point with the, with the club letter as well is that it gives you some protection in the case that the vessel is subsequently scrapped or, you know, or the owner disappears, for example. And that's, you know, I think that's that's the other point is that we're we're looking here often with jurisdictions which have legal systems which might take might take a number of years for claims to be resolved. Now you don't know in 10, 15 years time, do you, whether that, that owner is still going to be around. Chances are the PI club will be. 
Absolutely. I, I think the one constant you've got, hopefully, is that the PNI club has the people, the correct people to deal with these claims, as you say, and also has the longevity of being able to deal with these things um, over over the period of time that these things can take to resolve. And the, the one extra thing I would always say is, I mean, it's one of the bit of advice that we always provide is that you must keep tabs on what is going on. You must try and keep an eye on what is happening. We try to do it with how we manage claims, but also you should also be trying to locally keep an idea of what's going on because there is the potential for the PNI club to withdraw cover in the event that that's no longer a member in the event that premium hasn't been paid you know also the vessel's been scrapped etc cetera, etc cetera. there are multiple elements to situation which can affect how the PNI club may deal with the claim especially as the years go by so you you do need to try and keep in uh, in touch with the port just to see how things are progressing or the local lawyer or a correspondent just to see keep tabs with things because that can leave you potentially exposed surprisingly Several years later, when suddenly the claim comes back to life and there's nobody left and you are left again as the only person standing. Yes, I was I was reading about one of ITIC's, I think at the time it was one of our, our longest running cases, which was a case in Taiwan actually involving some an issue with some cargo and you know, the agent was responsible locally and the case had bounced back between the, I think the, the highest court in Taiwan and the lower courts about six times over the course of almost 25 years. You know, in those days, the costs were amazingly low i think we paid about a hundred thousand dollars in cost that wouldn't be the case it wouldn't be the case these days so um matt i just wonder sort of as we wrap up what is the cover position in terms of what what cover does itic provide in uh, in these situations i mean we would normally class it as a claim by an authority and it has to involve a ship and it would normally involve fines penalties etc and that's normally where they come come back and that's that's where we normally see these is, is is exactly that. Perhaps the main reason to buy PI insurance is to protect yourself from claims arising from your own mistakes. But actually, in certain countries, this this element of the cover, you know, cover for statutory liabilities is possibly more important. You know, and it's probably you know it's a really it's a really key part of the of the cover that we that we give to members, recognizing that in certain places where a ship agent operates. You know, this is a, this is a real a real risk, and so that you know, so any any proper PI insurance will have this kind of cover, you know, included. Absolutely, and I I think one of the other areas that just needs to be be clear upon is the fact that very often this can end up involving lawyers and can involve lawyers for quite some time. And as you said earlier, the costs of lawyers are not particularly cheap at this moment in time. So you would want to consider the fact that although you may feel you have a strong argument against the claim being brought against you potentially being brought against you you will need to probably have a lawyer involved locally who knows the parties who knows the port authority who knows the legal system certainly in the middle east as a as a, as a given and their costs are not going to be cheap they're going to take some time um, for them to resolve this so you you should be aware of the potential legal um, cost exposure as well absolutely brilliant well I think that sort of brings us to a, to a nice conclusion. So thanks very much, Matt, for, for your time. And thanks for listening. And hope you found that useful. Thank you for listening to Itic Insight. We hope you found this edition interesting and informative. To ensure you never miss an episode, follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and wherever you get your podcasts. 